hello again, and welcome to the Blue Dwarf intro cast, where uh, we, we talk about um, Red Dwarf, episode by episode. Longtime fans and newbies alike get together and chat about, you know, what's worth watching and what's not, and we hurl insults at each other over Facebook, but it's all in good fun, because this is a really cool show. Um, my name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. I'm blue. And our special guest this week. (laughs) Yes, uh, special guest. That would be me, Nuke Joss. Hello. Hey. Hi. I'm the (laughs) Nuke Joss. So, this podcast is going to be 30% nuttier than most. Than your regular. If you're allergic to nuts, (laughs) turn the volume down. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, this I week, uh, if I can make a quick plug, it's something I enjoy. Well, we're not all plugs yet, but <laughs> you, bear with me one moment. Plugging uh, before we even say what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, I just want to put a quick plug out for Blue Dwarf. <laughs> it's Blue Dwarf. A, yes, it's a online role-playing game about Red Dwarf's sister's ship. They can. They continue the story. It's, oh, it's just fanfic. And they continue the story just by simply writing it. And it's been around since April 2000. Cool. Oh, how fun. I was just joking when I said the Blue Dwarf intro cast. I didn't know that there was a Blue Dwarf. So, cool. Aww. I'm a green dwarf. <laughs> well, speaking of Blue, this week we are talking about Series 7, Episode 5, Blue. And Shane's going to tell us what that's out and uh, what that's about in just a minute. But um, before he does, uh, as if everyone doesn't already know who you are, but since you keep invading all of the podcasts, but Nutty, do you want to say hi to the fans again? Hello. You may remember me as the crazy American that lives in Canada who used to watch Red Dwarf because of insomnia and has watched a gazillion times. And I have my own podcast, which is Nutty Bites, which can be found at nimlast.org and among other podcasts. Just go there. You'll find everything. Cool. <laughs> Nutty's a rock star. She's awesome. Uh, let's see. Well, Shane, tell us what Blue is all about. As Kachansky chases the rifts that she hopes would take her back to her own dimension, Starbug is damaged by the debut of a comet. Cat, the, this de- Ask the cat to help him fix it, but causing Rimmer by mistake. It makes this to think of all the fun times he and Rimmer had together. He even dreams about him, about how this would return and they would kiss. <laughs> he wakes up screaming. There's only one thing for it, decides Crichton. They have to be reminded what, uh, what Rimmer was really like. Hmm. I'm not sure if I agree with that synopsis. Angela and I actually <laughs> debated on this, but we will get to it when we talk about the Rimmer experience. But I'm not sure yes. that Crichton engineered it in exactly the way that it seems. Um, I think he did. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, so, this yeah, is, this episode. This episode was originally called Heartache. Oh. Aww. Oh, speaking of, Angela, another good prediction. I know, right? Yeah, it got it got to the point where I had to mute my microphone last week. Aww, <laughs> I'm thinking Actually, about just making a list of crazy predict- predictions and seeing how many come true. <laughs> That's a good 
including your dreams. Indeed. Yes. I had actually forgotten about that dream. Like, no <laughs> joke. Yeah, last week, Nutty had uh, muted her Skype, but not her um, audacity. So when I was recording, then, like, uh, as soon Rosie. as Angela's... I'm sorry, Nutty. Ah, yeah, Rosie. <laughs> um, so when we were recording, Angela made her guess, and Rosie was like, <gasps> just this huge <laughs> gasp of surprise. That's amazing. Confession time. Uh, last week, uh, we got into just a very long debate over the whole Kachansky deal. Mm-hmm. And um, Rosie leveled several accusations about, about uh, Kachansky's character in the show and, and how the humor was... Uh, getting just all based on gender. And, and to me, no, I didn't really see that in the last episode. Uh, that came around this time. Yep. Way too many underwear jokes, guys. Um, just what what happened? The writing for Kachansky was so good last time, I thought. And this time, they did not treat her right. It was just... Uh, I was so let down. Well, I don't think that it was so much um, the writing for her that was the issue. It was so much, you know, the talk about the pants and everything was all on Crichton's end. But True. then they didn't give her anything, like, to work with. Well, they they like let her had... set up shop and sew. <laughs> yeah. What was that about? Only if it's all red fabric. <laughs> like, I, I understand she only has one outfit, but really... <laughs> I have to say, though, do remember that last week's episode uh, was actually film, written and filmed last. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so it's written after this one. But even I thought she came off better in Ouroboros for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, this one, all of the humor in this one. Okay, I, I know people like, and, and when I looked at the comics on Facebook, it was all like, yay, Rimmer song, best thing ever. And I was like, yeah, okay, that was hilarious. The rest of the episode, eh, did not work nearly so well for me as it did last week. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> People okay, are love this podcast. I know. <laughs> I keep having opposite. Yeah, we need to. I guess just go straight bit by bit here and figure it out. Um, no, I mean, so- uh, people are going to love this episode. I mean, like everyone, a lot of people love this episode, and then a lot of people hated last week's episode. And I know. You've gone like the complete 180. I know. That's the I know. And completely unintentional, too. It, but yes, I'm not trying to be difficult. But Yeah. <laughs> okay, so like last week, Rosie said that Lister's you know, changing his character and it's annoying. And I was like, well, I don't see that so much. We start out this episode with Lister declaring that he shall no longer eat curry. Yeah, shocker. Which they, they like dated before and they ate curry together while they were dating like why is it an issue now i i don't think that it's about kachansky i think it's because he misses rimmer that he's not eating curry Hmm. i think that's if you also notice he's shining his boots Mm -hmm. that's not a lister thing that's a rimmer thing this is all about how he misses rimmer i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i mean he would uh polishing his motorbike um, way, way, way back at the start. That's true. Yeah, but that's his motorbike. He doesn't care about his clothes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> like, they've talked about how his boots are, like, health hazards, and... Those look brand new. Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, uh, let's see. So Crichton is his usual charming self nowadays, uh, with a bevy of complaints against Kachansky, including poisoning the sour uh, salad cream. Um, okay, the amount of times I've written "shut up, Crichton" in my notes <laughs> is amazing. With more and more inventive punctuation, it goes from "shut up, Crichton" to "shut up, Crichton." <laughs> Uh, he gets to complain about laundry, even though laundry used to be his favorite thing in the world. But, you know, who cares? Character it's consistency. The wrong type of laundry. Apparently. apparently. Because his it's female jealousy laundry. jealousy overrides his love for laundry. Just... I guess. I'm just... Uh, this, this, the whole Crichton thing, I'm getting real tired of. Really tired of. Well, especially um, since they're not being inventive with it. They're just saying, oh, well, we need to make these jokes about his character here. Well, he can complain about having to iron her bras. Okay, what else? Well, that's all I got. He needs okay, to mention, let's write that joke 50 times. Yeah, he needs to mention depilatory cream. And, uh, yes, that, that, that's a thing that females do, right? I suppose, sure. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, what is that? I don't know. Uh, like nair, like... Um, oh, okay. Fish. Yeah, hair, hair hair removal lotion. Okay, Beach. I understand. Yeah, yeah, understood. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah. Did you notice? And you, we might not have done. We have a new writer. Oh, I didn't. Notice. I, I didn't even look at the writers. Mm. Well, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> it um, it was the first uh. Well, I believe it's the first Red Wolf episode to use an outside writer. Hmm. Well, now, Paul Alexander was co-writer on um, uh, Stoke Me a Clipper. Yeah, but he was um, he was on the production. Okay. This is actually come from an outside writer. Uh-huh. Oh, I see. I see. oh I, you mean outside, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Hmm. Um, I don't did, know what did, part... Did, did, he, uh, did he have anything to do with... Um, Last week's episode? Uh, I don't know. No, no, he didn't, actually. No, no. Okay. That was just written by Doug Naylor himself. Okay. Oh, I, I, I think I prefer Doug Naylor himself. Oh, Shane, uh, can you just... Shane, can you just uh, find out who did the music for this uh, episode? Uh, Harold Goodall. He did oh. all the music? Uh, most of it. Right, because there was a part, part of the music during this episode. Do you know when they were going through the comics? That music was awful. Mm. Hmm. That whole scene the, was awful. The, yeah, the thing with this um, season as a whole, they do use um, library music. Um. So I couldn't specifically tell you which bits were library music and which bits weren't. Mm. All right, let's see. Uh hmm. They are, let's see, complaining about stuff, and then uh, Kachansky comes in, uh, makes a... Oh, we get a, a nice guitar reference. That was a nice nod back. Um, Crichton threatens to beat the crap out of Kachansky, because that's hilarious. And um, I'm like, don't say hold me back as you're actively backing away. Like, that seemed odd. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. a classic trope. It's, you know, it's it's hold me back. I'm saying that because I don't really actually want to do this. 
It would have been funny if he would have like been backing up into Lister or something, maybe, but just mm. wandering off. Yeah. I just thought it was a bit. But again, I was. I'm still peeved at Crichton in general. Yeah. Um, and most of the jokes in this scene, particularly, just fall flat completely. Like it's obviously the pause for laughs, and I was just staring at it stony faced. Let's see. Like, no, I'm not going to laugh. Make me laugh. Oh. Crichton alleges that uh, drying tights on the radiator will have the ship uh, spiraling into the core of a sun, which is kind of ironic, seeing as how last episode he had the ship spiraling into the core of a sun. <laughs> um, but, you know. Let's see. Uh, and then we get uh, the first of our many, many potato jokes uh, <laughs> based on the, the flashing lights possibly indicating uh, a potato disaster. Don't so. discriminate against baked potatoes, Heath. Oh, I'm I love discriminating against baked potatoes. Just well. when you have in the same scene baked potato jokes and tinned baked or uh, tinned potato salad jokes, and the potato timer, the potato and the timer, potato timer, and potato salad dispensers and uh, a nutty fruit bars and um, fruity bars and. <laughs> Yeah, lots like of food I just humor. started naming all of the food humor that was completely unrelated to each other. Food's important, man. Oh, and um, getting cosmic seasoning. Uh, yeah, cosmic seasoning, which didn't even make sense. The show makes me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe the writer was starving. Maybe so. New maybe writer, he just he choked came up on. and he had the munchies. Yeah, not yeah, that's it. And like he had he hadn't had a job, he hadn't been able to write anything for months. Finally he gets on Red Dwarf, he's starving to death. So he starts writing this script and it's just nothing but baked potato and chocolate bars and cosmic seasoning. Um treacle. So let's see. Yeah, uh Lister, he's he's decided uh that they're going to go through the asteroid field. They'd be crazy yeah, to going follow through us. The comet. <laughs> um so yeah, they cut off some time through the gassy gas, and uh, disaster happens as one might expect. And then we get sort of this whole snipey thing between Kachansky and Lister, where Kachansky's yeah, go ahead. That's what put me off Kachansky, um, and I'm just going to go ahead and use the quote because I want to talk about this, and I know no one's going to want this for quote time when she says. My Dave would never have endangered his crew like that. That was... I, I know she's upset. I know she is. But that seems so far away from how she'd been portrayed thus far. That it just seemed sort of forced. Forced into a joke. And forcing her to... Force drama. Yeah, forced drama. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought she was going to say, I told you so, because she did tell him so. Right, yeah. But no, she had to go make the Dave comparison in just the most unpleasant way possible. That's the thing. Kachansky, until, like, the magic flute joke, she was just unpleasant. Well, I I feel like... um... Kachansky constantly comparing Lister to her Dave is part mm-hmm. of the reason why Lister is missing Rimmer. 
I mean, it's not Maybe. just that, you know, Rimmer kept him sane by driving him bonkers, but that the only other person on ship, you know, there's Cat, there's Crichton, but he can't really relate to them. The only other human on ship is basically constantly telling him that he's not good enough and that he's not living up to the potential. And she she knows a, another lister that's better than him. And, you know, so he, he, he can't even try to impress her or try to relate to her because it's nothing but a constant reminder of what a failure he is. See, and that is exactly... See, both she and Crichton insinuate that he purposefully messed things up so she would miss her wormhole or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, Linkway, Linkway, that's what they're calling it. Um, but I, I think you hit it on the nose there, Nutty. He wanted to go through the comet to, one, kind of impress her with, well, you know, maybe I'm not as suave as, as alternate universe Dave guy, but I'm, you know, we're a tough crew, we've been through stuff, and I can, I can pilot through a comet because I'm awesome. Um, he's, yeah, trying to show his, his, I guess, bravery, you know, uh, <laughs> you might mention to her that he's really, really brave. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that's what he was doing. I don't think he was trying to mess things up. In fact, I think that he is genuine and that he wants her to be happy and he wants her to be able to go back if that's what she wants. And it clearly is. Um, and it, it really annoyed me that people kept accusing him of that yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, he he was being dumb and showing off but he wasn't trying to sabotage her Um, but anyway let's see oh yes and then then it happens lister calls cat rimmer and cat makes an appropriate face it was yeah it was really Uh, sad reminded me of a certain angel episode Oh, where yeah. Angel makes the same mistake in calling a certain character another character who was no longer on the show. Yeah. I don't know why I'm talking in code, but in case anyone doesn't want the spoiler from season one, then... Yes. There you go. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen season one, so even now I don't remember. I'll tell you later. Okay. Please do. Please do. After a major cast change. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. I understand. Yeah. Oh, but, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that was and good. It, it was, and it, and it really did tie in well with you know at the end there, he and Rimmer's relationship had had sort of changed a bit. That they were, you know, they were still at odds and they were still driving each other nuts. But in a way, they were, you know, that was how they interacted. It was. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I thought that was sort of a tender moment there. Yeah. Oh, question. Okay, so I've been theorizing about this whole Kachansky thing. Yep. She keeps comparing. She you know hates and when she's arguing with Crichton here in the next scene, I don't know. She hates being on this horrible little ship and 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Was she still on Red Dwarf in her universe? I'm guessing so. Okay. No. Because she wouldn't have been, like, I get the impression she wouldn't have been as dumb as to lose Red Dwarf like they did. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe in that universe, you know, they they like females, and so they get to keep Holly. I don't know. Uh, Aww. That's not fair. That's not fair. Taking it to the the next level, would would Holly, in their universe, 
would mm. Holly ever have changed? Yeah. Hmm. Did Kachansky go to a parallel dimension and make out with a male Kachansky? <laughs> I do not know. I don't know, but hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, yeah. Um, well, I've been wondering a lot of things about that universe, but specifically the way that she complains about Starbuck all the time. I mean, surely she's not su- such a great decorator that her Starbug would be that much different that she's complaining as much as she is now. Um, I, I, I tend to think she must still be on Red Dwarf. Mm. And then the other difference, I got to thinking, so Crichton is gold. So I thought, well, but wait a minute, when Crichton was built, then that would have had nothing to do with the Kachansky-Lister timeline. He, they were built while Kachansky would have been in Deep Freeze. But then I thought, but Crichton was rebuilt after he crashed a motorcycle. But would he have ever crashed a motorcycle? So technically, we should still have David Ross Crichton in Kachansky's universe. But you never know if he, they might not have done upgrades to him. Can, can I just say, I, I thought this episode was like the episode of inconsistency, because there was a lot of stuff going weird. Yeah. I was like, well, that, that couldn't have happened because da-da-da-da. Well, and that, was, that wouldn't have happened because that wasn't... Like, like um, the golf thing. Yeah. Yes. That annoyed yes. me because it would have, it should have just been Rimmer and Lister. If Crichton was there, then Cat must have been there, but obviously Cat wasn't there. And Cat right. loves golf. When they did better than life, what did Cat do? Yeah, but Cat couldn't have been there because then Lister wouldn't be, have to tell him the story. But see, he said, "I must have blinked and missed it." Again, I'm stealing a quote, but I'm using mm. this to back up my point. Um, I must have blinked and missed it. Um, he could have been there, but just not paying attention. Because remember, Cat is the center of his own universe. And this anything that he doesn't actively <laughs> see never existed. And I mean, he did seem to wander in and out here and there. And just like wander about the ship doing stuff in the early, early episodes. But yeah, there was no time when there was just Lister and Rimmer. I mean, right. there, Cat came in like within an hour. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Lister's like, you don't know what it was like in the early days. I'm like, he was standing right over there. Like, what? <laughs> what? What's? You know. Well, if if we're um, talking about continuity, there's also the scene where they're checking out the lockers, and you'll notice yeah. that yes. Rimmer's yeah, uniform yeah, does not make sense at all. Yeah, I was no. actually looking forward to the khaki uniform. Yeah, I'm and that actually khaki. led me. Yeah. I, I was guessing that that had to be Rimmer coming back to the show because why would a flashback have him in that outfit? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when when we see that in the opening credits, I was like, aha, they've messed up because that means Rimmer's going to be coming back very soon because there's only a few episodes left and he has to open that locker. But, nope, just an inconsistent flashback. Yeah. I mean, the Anywho. flashbacks were funny. Flashbacks were hilarious. They were, they were. But, yeah. But, yeah, you're right, Paul. There, yeah, there's a lot of inconsistencies. I can um, I can, uh, I took, can talk about the flashbacks if you want me to. Do it. Sure. Oh, wait, one thing. Brawl jokes. Ha <laughs> ha! Okay. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> because bras, women I wear those. That women wear. Oh, my. Those women. And those, and those damn containers. Yes. I know, and they get ironed. And why would so you systematically funny. delete all knowledge about women? That's re- 
Okay, sorry, sorry. Yes, tell us about the flashbacks. <laughs> well, remember, he did kill his crew. And he yeah. did say he did say that when he was on the ship, he he, he was like it was just him, Rimmer, Lister, and the cat. No females about, so he didn't think he'd need it, so he deleted it to free up some extra space. I think, in truth, Crichton is a misogynist, and yeah, was from I'm... the get go, and that's why his crew died. Maybe okay. So th- this, I guess, go, goes hand in hand with with the uh, the cat massacre theory. I fi- I figured it out. Do you know if um, Crichton still had his lingerie file, he would be David Ross. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yep. Maybe so. Yep. But you, now, do, see, you, you, you realize you think about it though. David Ross as Crichton had the lingerie file because he was on the ship. As soon as he's on thingy, boom, but gone. He, he, he's uh, Robert He only deleted his lingerie file during um, uh, the first episode of this of this series, while Sparehead Two. Uh, destroyed all of history. This was when he was clearing his cash files. <laughs> well, and also, but but to back up my my misogynistic theory, um, Crichton purposefully got them on the Starbug and away from Red Dwarf because Holly's not on the Starbug, oh. and Holly <laughs> was female. And then he was like, "Yes, it's nothing but us dudes." I seem to have accidentally misplaced the females. I mean, the Red Dwarf, sirs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, okay. So he keeps uh, Hitler speeches on disc, but not general basic knowledge about women. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Makes what? sense for a robot. <laughs> Mechanoid. Crichton, why have you renamed Starbuck the He-Man Woman Haters Club? <laughs> <laughs> the that's SS Starbuck. Emphasis uh, on the SS. Uh, oh. Did you notice Godwin the podcast? Do what? Godwin? Godwin's yeah. Law? Any oh, argument yes. I, on I, the I internet? It, well, you you that, lose it the moment you mention Hitler? No, the show mentioned Hitler. No, the thought. show mentioned Goering. It mentioned the Nuremberg speech. Uh, hypnotic in its own way. No, it also mentioned about Lister wanting to um, go to a panty dress Party yeah, as, it, um, it mentioned Goering, but it also mentioned Hitler when he was trying to his hypnotize Lister, but he put in the uh, disc of uh, Hitler speech. And there's yeah. another okay. reference, but I refuse to say it because it's one of my quotes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so Crichton is a woman-hating Nazi, and, uh, oh, and Flashbang was about to tell us about flashbacks. Yes, flashbacks. I was, yes. Hello. I'm over here. <laughs> um, the first flashback was the... Uh, Goodness, I've lost my, I've lost my thing here. Ah, the first flashback was about the goat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and of course, that was filmed in their quarry. As mm-hmm. always. As always, exactly. Um, and they were setting up the shot, so they thought they they thought they would have a bit of a practice round. And and Chris Barry um, doesn't play golf. A little bit on the pattern green. But doesn't play golf at all. So he's having a bit of practice. As I said, they were setting up the shot. And he was... First shot he did, he knocked the ball out of the park. Nice. However, as soon as the green light went on the camera, he couldn't hit the ball more than maybe a meter. <laughs> nice. So that was... Uh, yeah, so they were having a little bit of a problem. 
to want to do that. So that was very, very clever, clever editing. That that happens to me all the time. You know, I am excellent at sports until somebody's looking at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's like the person who's invisible unless someone's looking at them. Yeah. Oh, mystery man. <laughs> yeah. And the second flashback, uh, when the plume of flame gets shot into Rimmer's face, mm-hmm. that effect was achieved live, live in the studio. Yeah, it was a depth of field shot. Yeah. Uh, with a fit real f- uh, flame firing off camera and his image reflected in the semi silvered piece of glass. So it looked mm-hmm. like the two things were happening in the same space. Mm-hmm. Cool. They did a and good job. They just, and then they just set Chris Berry on fire for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> no reason at all. Yes. Anyway, going back to inconsistencies, you know, with the flashbacks, you know, you noticed, do you know when they were playing golf? Yeah. Um, obviously, Lister had the golf ball in his hand, and he was, but it looked like he was on the Starbuck and not Red Wall. Mm-hmm. When, oh, good point. Mm. Yeah. Just saying. Well, they used Starbuck to go to planets. No, oh, you okay. used the blue so midget. You used to use the blue uh, midget. Well, th- but they they still had Starbug in like the second series, yeah. Like Starbug mm-hmm. and Red Dwarf coexisted for several seasons. Yeah. So yeah, they just they they took Starbug that time and then never used it again until they decided to get rid of Blue Midget mysteriously. <laughs> Maybe Cat had stolen Blue Midget to there. You that's where Cat was somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> because you know, typically, yeah, typically. We had uh, Lister and Cat, like, go fishing and, and try to leave Lister behind. I mean, re- leave Rimmer behind. And yeah. yeah. So, Rimmer and Lister go golfing, Cat's favorite pastime, without Cat, because that makes sense. <laughs> they figured it was about time they bullied Cat. It was his turn. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. mean, it was a nice flashback, but... It was. It was yeah. funny. It was funny, but yeah, I, I got hung up on the consistency stuff too. Yeah. Um, it's red dwarf. You can't get hung up on the consistency unless you can. But if they would <laughs> like have had cat as... in the golf scene, then he would have been wearing his pimped out cat spacesuit, and it would have been awesome. You know, that's probably like why they didn't have cat because he wouldn't go down in that spacesuit, and he was busy uh, changing it to to gold lame. Maybe. <laughs> There you go. It has been accounted has. for. <laughs> sure it has. Oh, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, so Lister, he doesn't want to throw things away because of all the fond memories of of Rimmer, that they had such good times. <sighs> and then we have Ace Rimmer come back. And you know what? For a few minutes there, it was a really nice scene. It was very touching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, did you guys think it was a dream sequence, or did you think he was really back? We figured it for yeah for for a for a minute or two. I was like, he's back, and then like approaching up to when they hugged, and then yeah, before before the uh, the groundbreaking kiss, uh, yeah, I, I had figured out that it was a dream. Angela had to, yeah. So I wrote in my notes slash fanfics ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> Limster. <laughs> or Rister. Rimster. 
<laughs> that kiss went on for way longer. Yes. Uh, well, and I they were going at it too. Very, yeah, they were. Sort of didn't want to do it like right before it happened, but I guess when it happened, they just decided to go with it. Can I, can I tell you another bit that followed the kiss? Um, listeners' reaction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the only bit in the episode which I laughed more than the end end part. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so funny. And yeah. Fact is, like, ah. And then he's scrubbing his tongue. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that scene was hilarious. Uh, but it also bothered me. Uh, for some of the reasons that we've been talking about. Like, you, you talked about how early on they decided to make Crichton not like Kachansky. Because it was under, he didn't want people comparing Rimmer to Kachansky because people love Rimmer. And... So you want to make sure that they're separate characters and maybe having Crichton sort of be a stand-in for the audience and and be antagonistic toward her. Okay, good plan, good plan. So here's what we do. We bring in Rimmer, uh, Chris Berry, for an episode. We have him talking with Lister and asking him to compare Kachansky to himself. <laughs> Is she as good as me? And then we have the last five or six minutes of the episode, a celebration of all things Rimmer hilarity. Way, way to make Kachansky uh, feel welcome there, guys. I'm sure no fans are going to hate her after that. Um, and, and I love how the purpose of it was to m- make Lister like realize, okay, Rimmer was not so great. I'm really glad that he's gone. But sure it does that. the exact opposite for the fans. Like, it has the opposite effect. They're like, yeah, get rid of Kachansky. Leave her and bring Rimmer back. Yeah. So I thought this episode, even the most hilarity, hilarious bits, was narratively flawed. And inviting Kachansky hate. Yeah. Eh, just write it out. I, I, <laughs> I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. They, they, you know, you've got that touching moment between Lister and Ace and... And then he's like... Lots of touching. <laughs> well, but, but I mean, before it starts, it gets to the part where he asks him to, to compare her, and he's like, she's prettier than me. Oh, she can't hold a candle. Sorry if I'm stealing a quote. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's yeah. it's like, that. that's kind of the moment I think you're supposed to realize that it's a dream. But mm-hmm. it's just so funny and so off-the-wall bonkers, but also very realistic. I mean, I remember you guys were discussing how uh, Rimmer leaves and nobody seems to really miss him. Well, this is mm. this is it. This is the entire grief cycle. I mean, uh, Lister was able to get over Rimmer leaving very easily, and p- perhaps it was you're thinking because he knows that he's not actually dead. But in truth, he does have to mourn his passing, and this is very realistic. And you know, this this is what happens. I mean, how many times has have you known somebody who is an, utter jerk and then the moment they pass everyone's like oh it was my best friend oh they were so sweet a shining star is in heaven now and you know all of a sudden the person was amazing and perfect and wonderful because they they're Mm -hmm. gone well you know that's it's very it's very realistic i found well i've got a uh, half a quote here um um about what this episode was all about and um it was dot 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 
acknowledged that he was gone and it was time to move on. Yeah. <laughs> but it did the opposite. It did the opposite. It made people want more Rimmer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it communicated that to the characters, but it did not commu- communicate the same message to the characters as it did to the audience. Because it was a celebration of all the stuff that was hilarious about Rimmer. And what was hilarious about Rimmer was all of that. And he drove Lister crazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was undeniably hilarious. Um, and and, and yeah, maybe it, yeah, maybe it makes sense from, from a narrative standpoint. Um, it just annoys me from a show running standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, is that really to, the, the direction you want to go? Like, they, I thought last episode they did, they worked really hard to incorporate her into the crew. And then this episode, it was, yeah, let's have her fight with Lister, uh, not get any really particularly funny jokes, and let's celebrate how much more awesome Rimmer was than her because he's hilarious. She got uh, one very funny joke. That's okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Anyway, well, so speaking of Chansky, uh, Kachansky, she chats with uh, Lister about the whole situation, and, and they talk it out, and uh, it's cool. And, and Lister sort of realizes that, you know, yeah, driving Rimmer crazy, you know, it kept him going. Uh, sort of the same thing he said in the uh, 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 eulogy. Um, and I was rolling my eyes through this whole scene because, you know, they they weren't still weren't writing Kachansky particularly well. Um, any humor coming from Kachansky was coming from the actress who was doing the best she could with the material she was given. And then she just said all of this stuff about Rimmer that I was like, eh? Yeah. No, he was just really like that. He wasn't pretending to be a buddy-duddy because... He wanted to drive Rimmer crazy. Nah. Anyway, yeah, and it was. sort of showed he, just how much of an outsider. He, he was growing Bob the Mold three feet high. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting the names confused. Uh, he wasn't. Oh, Rimmer, Rimmer wasn't, wasn't being Rimmer. To be, yeah. to, okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Rimmer was just being Rimmer. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Rimmer was just being Rimmer. He didn't have any ulterior motive for his, you know, let's drive Lister crazy to make him sane and I'm thus sacrificing my natural fun-loving self. He, he doesn't have a natural fun-loving self. <laughs> He's a smeghead. He's a smeghead. And it really showed how much of an outsider she was. It, it felt really forced there. Anyway. Shane, what were you about to say? I know I, w- I was just going to uh, talk about Chloe's costume. It's red. It was red, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Her original look pictured along the lines of Diana Riggs' sexy cat suits in the 1960s TV show The Avengers led, mm. to wear, led her to wear tight PVC trousers. Mm-hmm. Doug Nader insisted the costume decision was not his. <laughs> I remember reading in Time Out, he says, where I, bla- where I was blamed for the costume, the red PVC job. Not me. Maybe red is a colour, but I did not say PVC. <laughs> so, a bum, look, look an overworked tomato. 
Awesome. That was. Well, hey, what what's more practical for years long space travel than PVC? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're quilted quite upholstery comfy. shirts like Rimmer had. Yeah. <laughs> well, if she's wearing PVC uh, trousers all the time, um, why does she need tights? Mm. To sleep in. You don't sleep in tights. That's awful. Wait, and tights mean something else. Hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I just I gotta ask the Brits. Do tights mean something else? Yeah. No. no? Other things you put on your legs. I don't know. Stockings, you yeah. know, that sort of thing yeah. under a dress. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just making sure because there's lots of things that don't mesh up, like suspenders. Yeah. We think yeah. of them as things that, well, and again, it's 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 change it. Things that hold up your trousers rather than your pants. Um, whereas suspenders mm. in the UK are garter belts. Oh. oh. Mm. I didn't know that one. Yeah. You're mm. kind of suspended. Are those the ones that go over your shoulder and clip yep. onto your trousers? Yep. Right. Yeah. Braces. Yes. Braces. Yeah, the herbal things. Oh, those Body are called braces. braces. Exactly. Okay. Oh. See, I see, I hear braces, and that's either the things that straighten your teeth or uh, 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 metal equipment on your legs to help straighten them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Honestly, though, if I had, I mean, I don't wear tights anyway, but if I had the opportunity to never wear tights again, such as being stranded millions of years in the future, then I would take it. Tights I'm, are awful. I'm pretty and sure not- in the future there's no such thing as tights. Yeah. That's my guess. As it's- a woman, that is my guess as to what the future <laughs> will hold. There's no such thing as tights. And all yeah, of Rimmer's your outfits uniform. have pockets. Yeah. Yeah, Rimmer's uniform does look kind of like a like a flotation device or something. <laughs> he has the, the Marty McFly thing going on. Um, so, game night. Game night. Here we go. So, suddenly, after their talk, Kachansky and Lister, they're, they're okay again. And that's, that's nice. And then she suggests a game. Now... Last episode, I had compared the whole um, high-class, low-class, uptown girl, uh, guy from the (laughs) wrong side of the tracks situation going on here um, to uh, Sam and Diane from early Cheers. And that, I think, is really borne out here because I can totally picture uh, her uh, pitching the game uh, Magic Magic Flute to the the guys in Cheers. And, like, only her and Frasier would uh would would win <laughs> oh it was spectacular i was like kachansky where have you been and who is this harpy in red who's been taking your place see and that that <laughs> magic flute idea i mean i actually could see diane chambers doing that more than i can kachansky <laughs> because i see her suggest that and I'm like oh come on i've seen you in in flashbacks before you're not that uptight and i like opera but this that does not sound like a fun game to me at all (laughs) (laughs) i still thought it was funny (laughs) yeah i do like how she was suggesting games as a joke and then they started writing them down for serious yeah yeah (laughs) yeah at this point in the podcast i should say i was never a big fan of cheers but i did the frasier yeah. See, I had a professor, a creative writing professor, who um, said that Frazier was a 
much superior show to Cheers, and he was like a huge Frasier fan, um, because they left the damn bar every once in a while. His exact words. <laughs> I cannot see um, any version of Lister doing an aria from the Miami <laughs> Yeah. Unless he had like a, a polymorph take out his um listerness listerness yeah i mean ostensibly though like the only differences in lister like he should is that he woke up as as a hologram instead of from stasis like he died but he's the the core principle though is that he is lacking a sex drive that's no longer a focus for him why well because he's a hologram uh, well, Rimmer constantly talked about yeah, sex. Yeah, he talked about sex, but it was different than having a sex drive. He had sex with that hologram. Yep, and better than life. <laughs> yeah, and, and better than life. Uh, no, he, no he not had... in better than life, in the hollow ship. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, the hollow ship. But then also, though, in, in better than life, he, um... Uh, God, I'm trying to remember, I'm keeping my episodes straight, but didn't no, he... they didn't even have sex. Like, like he had the woman who had like the nineteen kids. You're right, the but they didn't. But, okay, that was the gag. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Had the but kids. No, I, had sex. I don't think that being a hologram removes your sex drive. I think that it removes that possibility, or at least until he gets the hard light drive. But let's right. not speculate too much further on that. Um, but no, I, I think that it, it was a copy of his personality, all things included. I think that just he had to come to terms with. If he was going to have a relationship with Kachansky, it would have to be on an intellectual level because that's all that was available. See, because I was, I always assumed that because that they wouldn't be able to have a sexual relationship again, at least until in the beginning, that he would have to then evolve and overcome those things. But if the idea of having a sexual relationship was there, that he wouldn't be able to do that. That's that's always mm-hmm. been my personal opinion of it. That, yeah. that that's why he's a different Dave. Because well, there's this a difference Dave... between not. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I was saying there's a difference between not having a sex drive and not being able to have sex. Mm. Right. Yeah, I still think he had all of the desires that he had before. True, just, yeah, he had yeah. Just to a different situation. I guess that's so. what more what I meant. Like that that yeah. he yeah. had to learn to supplant that desire. Yeah, okay. yeah. He learned crazy. over time. Yeah, yeah. He learned to to relate to Kachansky in different ways. Yeah, and yeah, but yeah. So I mean, can he learn opera and in that? I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems like a really big character change for that. Mm-hmm period of time Hmm. unless um he got holly to reprogram him oh that's true he could just get it downloaded into his uh i i think he would do um he would want to be able to talk to kachansky on an intellectual level but not really be interested in spending hours and hours and hours and hours of studying all the stuff that she learned over a lifetime. But hollow splicing is notoriously dangerous and ra- and rarely takes. Well, but remember when uh, he gave Rimmer his memories? Mm. 
Thank you for the memory. I mean, I think it would work a lot like that. Maybe, maybe. So what we need is a completely different series about Kachansky's universe so we can understand <laughs> what the heck is going on. No, I, and I, I'll go ahead and say it. I have a theory, and it started out with a, um, how could we have made this episode to where fans wouldn't immediately start hating Kachansky because of the construction of the episode. Um, have a whole episode where she's trying to fit in and trying to fit in and really wanting to get back. So she starts, like Lister asks, well, what's so great about your universe? And she tells all of these stories, you know, that explains everything and shows how her Crichton is different and her Lister is different and her cat is different and that they're living in, you know, this idyllic red dwarf place. But then as she's telling the stories, she's realizing that her life, there wasn't quite as great as she thought it was or that, you know, she could live with this one. So that by the end, when they missed the gateway, then, you know, Lister would say, Oh, I'm sorry. I know you wanted to get back to that wonderful world. And she could say, no, I'm fine with this. Yeah. Maybe saying here a little longer won't be so bad or something like that. Yeah. Um, and the game night would have provided a neat opportunity there too. When she suggests a game like Magic Flute, and they all just stare at her, and, you know, and then, <laughs> but then maybe they they do play one of the stupid guy games that they usually play, and she realizes that it's not her ship, but it's more fun. Yeah. Mm. But you know, so, it's much funnier to make bra jokes. So <laughs> when they walk <laughs> off to the VR, uh, one of the things that Tech said is, "Why'd they leave their beer?" I know. (laughs) It's about priorities, man. I know. So, yeah. Okay, we are finally getting then to uh, Crichton's big plan, the Rimmer experience. Now, Angela and I are debating on this. Mm -hmm. Angela feels, kind of like you described, Shane, that Crichton's plan was to remind everyone how obnoxious uh, Rimmer could be and sort of get the whole boy, I miss Rimmer blues out of the way. Like aversion therapy. Right. Yes. Aversion therapy. Yeah. Very good. Um, I, though, tend to think that this worked kind of in the way the Heimlich maneuver cures crying and that he meant for (laughs) this to actually be a um, like, okay, well, here you can relive the times you had with Rimmer and that way you won't miss him so much. But it just turned out uh, to be a reminder of Rimmer's obnoxiousness and worked better than he knew it would. Well, my theory sort of um, puts all some of the disparate uh, parts of the episode together, where throughout this episode, it's all about Rimmer, but we don't actually get Rimmer. We get everyone else's versions of Rimmer. So we've got Cat, I blinked, I missed it, and, you know, he's insulting him uh we get lister having homoerotic fantasies for some reason and you know all the good times and sort of the rose-colored glasses we get um kachansky's theory theory. yeah Yeah, which she barely knew him so whatever um and then we get Crichton, who takes the diaries and i think he did take some accurate things from the diaries but used it 
as sort of a biased, loaded argument. You know, See, and I and I, I just don't think that was his intent. I think that he took the stuff from the diaries, uh, and it just turned out that way. I've got to say I've got a page worth of notes just on this one scene. Okay. <laughs> but um, I, let, I let Paul go first. Yeah, what were you going to say, Paul? I've totally forgotten. Aww. <laughs> okay, then. Um, the filming of these sequences led to one particular day being known as, well, Black Wednesday or Black Monday or Black Thursday. Nobody can seem to remember what day of the week this scene which filmed it. Mm. <laughs> uh, they were all sitting in the car from a fairground ride being wheeled through the doors into the Rimmer experience. They had nothing to do but sit there while technical things went wrong. As they went through take after take after take, they would wheel back and forth through these doors umpteen times. The catchy in my opinion anyway, uh, Arnold Rimmer Munchkin song was written by Kim Further and Doug Naylor. It, they, it was sent out to Harold Goodall set to, mu- to set to the music. Chris Barry has, sent, since, has since said he would like to have a go at singing the song himself because Harold Goodall actually sung the song. Nice voice matching. But I was wondering. Yeah. Howard Goodall's recollection is that Chris didn't want to attempt any singing, despite Howard willing to coach him through it. Chris Barry mimed to the song in front of a blue screen, so it had to be electronically placed on top of the little munchkin rimmers that were made out of soft toys, where miniature rimmer costumes run up by Howard Burden's costume department. <coughs> The special effects team says it was one of the most enjoyable days of filming for, of the series for them as they spent the next few days humming that very catchy song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I mean, the Munchkin song takes, like, pretty much whenever people remember this episode, they remember the Kiss and the Munchkin song. Mm-hmm. They forget, like, all of the other stuff well, we've been harping about. Do you remember when I was uh, on Rimmerworld? And I said, mm-hmm. I thought that this one had the song in it. Ah. Uh, this is the song I, I, I thought was in Rimmerworld. Aww. Gotcha. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I actually enjoyed the makeup jobs that they mm-hmm. did on all of the characters much better. Where they all look yeah, like uh, wax people. Yeah. yeah, and like their eyebrows are crazy, and or like yeah, and Rimmer's image of himself, like that he has like more heroic features in, mm-hmm. uh, in the metals. wax figure, at least. <laughs> that was, and I think, yeah, I think they were overemphasized. Like, did Cat? Did he like have his Dwayne Dibley teeth in in one scene there? <laughs> like, they were making maybe he was just making a big goofy grin, and it just looked that way, but. I think he was missing the fangs. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, this scene, it was hilarious. It was, uh, for, for all my complaints about this episode, this, this was utterly hilarious. Um, it really, uh, yeah. I was just, I guess I'm focusing on the other because 
Oh, like last week, I couldn't figure out what Rosie was complaining about. She was like, oh, all of this gender humor. And I'm like, I didn't really think there was that much. And then, oh, Crichton's being a whiny bitch. And I'm like, okay, that's true. Yeah, that's getting it. And then, like, it's a thousand times worse this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think maybe Rosie watched this episode instead of last week's episode. and just got <laughs> Maybe so. Well, uh, we watched this soon after we recorded, and like all of that debate was fresh in our minds. So I wanted to like text Rosie and say you were right yeah. <laughs> about the next one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and if you notice, Kachansky, like I guess because the filming and take after take after take, um, like she has no idea what to do with her face. She doesn't know whether to be happy or to laugh or to look weird at everything or to... Like, if you just watch her, it's just the most bizarre acting ever. Well, the funny thing is, according to the documentary, while all the rest of the cast were getting annoyed mm-hmm. by the constant moving back and forth, back and forth, she was just having a whale of a time. And didn't, and didn't realize what, didn't know why everybody was, else was complaining. <laughs> oh, I will say though that expression wise, um right before they go into the rumor experience when yes. Frighten makes some comment about uh her her psycho babble or something and has a go at her, then that look that she gives him and just sort of raises an eyebrow at him is that was hilarious. That was Spock eyebrow. That she's awesome. yeah, she she's very expressive. Mm. Kachansky bitch stare. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did you think of the song? As a song, I mean. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, a lesson in um, how many rhymes you can come up with for Rimmer or faux mm-hmm. rhymes, but you know, good job. <laughs> um, I like that they threw in the swimming thing. Yeah. Because you know he's very proud of his swimming. Let's see, we've got a garden strimmer, Yule Brenner. His head doesn't yes. glimmer. Uh, He'll never need a Zimmer. Never need a Zimmer. 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 What swimmer. is a Zimmer? Zimmer is a Zimmer frame. What's, um, a, zimmer? It, What's a Zimmer frame? It's <laughs> what all people used to walk around with. It to cut walk. It's like walker. Walkers. Oh, okay. Ah, gotcha. Uh, we call okay. them Zimmer frames. I don't know why. <laughs> and then he just might come round for dinner. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's master of the wit and the repartee. <laughs> And then somebody mm-hmm. on the Facebook group posted um, an expanded version that had like another verse or two. Yeah. And he even like mentions running out of rhymes with Rimmer. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny and very and very much a good uh, a good send up of the the cheesy amusement park uh, oeuvre, I guess. Yeah. Uh, That's a very push word, isn't it? Oeuvre. It's a rumor world after all. <laughs> are we gonna be are we gonna mention the post that Darren put on the Facebook group? Which one uh, was that? Probably, but we're not gonna read it. Oh. The, the poll, I'm sorry, the poll. Oh the poll. Oh the poll. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well you saw my vote, so what was the poll? The oh, poll that was about getting heat to see. Well, he already started humming it, so that was my answer, by the way. Why ask? He's just going to do it anyway. You were so, too. When you listen to the recording, you'll hear yourself humming it. No no one liked my answer. No one at all. What was your answer? Get Angela to sing it instead. 
Exactly. I'm I, thought, I, th- I actually thought Heath might have voted for that one. I don't plan the singing. It just happens, guys. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's really part of his personality. Like, you know, you think that it's sort of a character he's putting on or something like that. No, that's just what he does. I, I like I like Ewan's. Um, only if Angela, Shane, and Paul get to go on a ride whilst he's singing it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I did put a post on the spoilers group about three months ago now. I think it must have been about three months ago, asking uh, the people in the spoilers shh, group. Shh, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> asking them if I should get you to sing the song. Oh, that would have refused anyway, so that's cool. Hold on, you'll sing tongue but you won't sing the Munchkin song. Yeah, I see. Not if everyone says you have to sing it. (laughs) And like when we did the tongue-tie, then it was, hey, we're all going to get together, and then we'll all sing. And then like only Shane helped, and it was really, really hard to edit together because you can't do it over Skype, so no. (laughs) Yeah, but this is a one-man song. I sing when I when when it when the muse all takes me. That's 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 kind of annoying, actually, to be honest with you. But Terpsichorean muse. Oh, what's annoying? No, because um, well, now now it's out in the open. I can tell you, I had actually arranged uh, for an orchestra and a backing choir to sing the song. They're all in his, at his place, like, tethered behind his microphone. <laughs> no, 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 no. I had arranged, in your, in your own time, <laughs> so, so not as part of this recording, in your own time, to, um, for you to sing it with uh, a Mr. Illyrio. Oh, really? Oh. Did, did a Mr. Illyrio agree to this? Yes, he did. But it's well. Paul has a point, though. It is a one-person song, so let's just have Illyrio sing it. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't. Well, no, there is the backing vocals, the oohs and ahs. Yeah. Yes. <gasps> okay. If Illyrio has signed up for it, then I will consider it, and I will help out as well. How's that? How's that for value, listeners? Oh. <laughs> uh, and you I'll make we... lots of jokes about underwear. Exactly. Because that's what women are for. <laughs> and we'll iron and we'll iron bras on Shane's head. <laughs> what and ruin his luxurious hair? I don't straighten it. And I do have a specially recorded backing track on the piano for it as well. Yes, other people that I was Ooh. saying it, not me. Interesting. Okay. Shin! Hello. Never mind. I got that wrong. Peace! <laughs> yes? Is it time for an advert? Uh, I don't know. Are there any more points um, about this episode? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they get to the end. Oh, Toodle Pipsky. <laughs> I liked Aww. that touch. The exit and- to the ride is Toodle Pipsky. Very, very Romarian. And I ended with a last, um, all caps, shut up, Crichton. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've got to do something about the whole Crichton thing. I'm really, really hoping that within the next couple of episodes here, they come to some sort of peace between him and Kachansky because 
they're, they're pumping a dry, a, dry, a dry well here. It's yeah. it's not working. Um, I mean, I, I once you explained the thought behind that, I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Crichton will warm up to her as the audience warms up to her. That's a good plan. But now it's just constant bickering and sniping, and it's it's not good for anybody or anything. I do I, actually something I didn't actually come to um, earlier on. I do actually have a quick quote from um, Robert Llewellyn if you want to hear it. Sure. I am really I hate Kachansky, and I want her to die. Oh, <laughs> well, wait, he became Sulu. What the? I really enjoy playing in the scenes of Croton being jealous. He's insanely jealous of this new girl that comes on board. It was and a great. It was a great way of dealing with the fact there's a new character on board and that she is actually loaded to death by one of the characters. Oh, well, I'm glad Robert Llewellyn enjoyed it. <laughs> no one else did. I did. I, li- I like Windy like Crichton. You're lying! <laughs> You're lying! You're lying! <laughs> I'm afraid of underwear! <laughs> Shall, shall I ask? Shall I ask my previous question again? Oh sure. Is it time for an advert? Sure. Let's throw one of Nettie's on. Oh really? Okay. Sure. We'll do that. Hi, I'm Nukechas, the host of Nutty Bites. And hi, I'm Tech, Nutty's regular guest or antagonist. Our podcast is like a call-in show where geeks get to debate topics about speculative fiction. We don't really debate. Sure, we do. We debate topics such as lame superpowers, the best villains, and our favorite apocalypses. We're more of like Batman always and then have massive nerd rages. People call in from all over the world. Sometimes minor celebrities, and we've even had some supervillains show up. Do you ever notice that you never have any superheroes or good guys? I'm a good guy. Compared to what? Antagonist. Not really a guest. Nutty Bites. Nimlast.org. And we're back. I know. Hey, we we got to do an ad live. That's what happens when you work with a pro. Right. Yeah, that's what happens when I use the radio station. It was really funny because I happened to have my site open and you're like, let's play one of Nutty's. Oh, wait, I can do that. <laughs> just going to splice it in later. Oh. I, will, I was about to start talking about random stuff. And I know. Like, that's what, hey, I'm, I'm tech. I was like, whoa. That's, that's what we come <laughs> from. I love your impression of tech. <laughs> and I'm tech. <laughs> Well, that's um, his thing now, by the way, the whole like, hi, I'm Fred or hi, I'm tech. Every time he goes on the radio or a podcast now, it's it's the whole thing. We've got these bumpers that go in between the shows at the radio station and it c- starts out with, hi, I'm Fred. Yeah, I've got another bad show idea. So <laughs> <laughs> when we interviewed Mario Andretti, like that's how we opened it up and just it was so hard not to fall on the floor laughing. That's awesome. <laughs> right, Mario Andretti, where do I know that name from? Formula, uh, One. Formula One, Rally, Indy, yeah, everything. Okay. Daytona. He's like NASCAR. one of the few actual race car drivers that even I know his name. <laughs> I, just, I knew the name and I just couldn't figure out where from that, but I yep. do know now. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Is and Tech coming a... up? Say again? I was going to ask, is Tech... Um, you on the show soon. He certainly is. What episode does he have? Uh, I won't say, say the... Oh, uh, okay. 
Okay. Title, but oh yeah, yeah, I know which one. You, I just looked. You, you yeah. know the one. You know yep, the one. Yep. Yeah. Let me <laughs> let, let me just say the season finale. Mm. There you go. That's all I'm saying. The grand finale. No, the, the title season finale, is... not the grand finale. The title is "Rumor Comes Back on the Show and Kills Kachansky," <laughs> and there was much rejoicing from the fandom. <laughs> They are forced to eat Robin's minstrels. Um, <laughs> so, we have had... Uh, see, Nutty, you've, you've thrown us off our flow because usually during uh, the place where we cut out to put in the ad, then we're, like, planning what we're going to do next. So, so now we, we have to do that. We'll do it live! We'll do it live! We'll do it live! Are we doing uh, feedback? We yes. are. So okay. Do, there's a okay. lot of it. Possibly read all of this feedback. So we're going to summarize quite a lot of it. Okay. Uh, you want to start Phil says, off? "Yeah, Phil says <laughs> I bet they will love this one. How wrong they, he was." <laughs> I don't know if he was saying that sarcastically or <laughs> he was saying that for realsies. You can't tell. Uh, Darren also says you may want to scan before reading aloud for the first. Don't bit. don't read that one. Um, okay. Yeah, he theor- he puts in the the idea here that. Um, it's thought that uh, Doug comes up with the idea for this episode because of all the Star Trek ads that we're talking about, uh, that it had the first interracial kiss on uh, television. Um, and so he decided to one-up uh, that particular mm-hmm. series with uh, full-on Lister-Rimmer action. So. <laughs> okay. And that episode was Plato's Stepchildren. In with- yes. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Anyway, um, Sam Hyland says... The Rimmer experience, that kiss, the Rimmer flashbacks. It's a great episode showing how much Rimmer's leaving has affected Lister while containing some really good laughs. The flashbacks are fun, but it just makes me miss Rimmer more. And Games Night is back, though. Without Junior Angler, it seems they don't have much to go on. Hmm. Let's see. Now, Phil is thinking, uh, you know, we got the magic flute, we got the salad cream, we have Rimmer, what's not to love? But see, we didn't have Rimmer. We had people's ideas of Rimmer. So... Ah, and uh, the magic the magic loop was salad cream in the <laughs> uh, and the salad cream would have been funny except that I'm tired of Crichton whining so what what yeah. can I do? Uh, Sam theorizes that both salad cream and tomato ketchup belong in the fridge hmm. Hmm. now I like uh, chilled ketchup but I don't think it spoils outside of the fridge or if it does then like half the fast food or half the restaurants I go to are serving spoiled ketchup so Unless, like, you keep it around for, like, a million years and it turns into a radiated haggis. On a completely, uh, sorry, no, on a completely tangent here, on the commentary they were debating whether jam goes in the fridge or the cupboard. Fridge. 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 Well, if you know the cupboard until you open it. Sorry. I just, what, what did you say? I don't understand why anyone would put jam in the cupboard. It's going to grow mold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm baffled. What is with these people and putting things in the cupboard? <laughs> well, Darren you Foster. can put jam in the cupboard because it's preserved in a jar. Like, you yeah, know, but that's once why... you open it, it has to go in the fridge. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Darren. Oh, go ahead. 
I've got that song in my head, sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Darren uh, Darren says this was entertaining. Um, he thinks that uh, Craig Charles is stretching himself, coping well. Um, hmm. Hmm. Maybe so, yeah. yeah. I, I really hadn't thought much about uh, uh, Lister's acting this episode. Hmm. Uh, Rimmer experienced charming. Um, he grew up with uh, traveling fairs, and he thought that was really funny. Um, let's see. Da, 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 uh, great comedy kisses of uh, the last 20 years. Um, and yeah, he says that this is one of the highlights of the season. Um, interesting, interesting. I honestly thought Stoke Me a Clipper was the highlight <laughs> of the season. But then again, I haven't watched the whole season. Bill likes so. it too. <laughs> uh, marionettes, yep, they're cool. I'm sorry, we're, we're really having to summarize yeah. because there's 30 something comments. It's uh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you all for commenting so much. Um, yes. Ewan the chimes one, in. Yeah, says that the flashbacks, remembering times are really nice. Crowning moment is the Munchkin song. And and song. Oh, wait, no, wrong Munchkin song. <laughs> wrong Munchkin song. <laughs> uh, salad cream goes in the fridge, says Ewan. Uh, Chris post, Chris Riley posts a really useful link of the extended uh, Munchkin song. Uh, so that was really cool, Evan. Um, um, and what is and he says his cousins wore out the VHS tape from rewinding the Munchkin's song over and over Aww. again. Aw, that's cool. Um, oh, yes. And apparently the the uh, Munchkin song is funny whether you like Red Dwarf or not. Says Phil. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. I need, I need to preface this. I'll, I'm going to say something up. Right. Jonathan Cap says, another episode that's dragged down somewhat by Kachansky's writing and Crichton's reactions to her. But I think this episode is still very funny. Even after one episode absence, having Chris back, however briefly, is a huge relief. And he shows that it's still the actor with the best grasp on why his character it was originally so funny. The Rimmer experience is generally some of the funniest stuff the show has produced, especially the dramatized scenes of Rimmer's heroics and popularity, and of course, that song. I'm looking forward to how you believe the Silver Survey placing for this episode to be bollocks. <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, I can tell you. What and then, and then he says, "I'm sure Shane will agree with me that, that if I say you didn't vote, you can't complain about the results." Yeah. Okay. What I wanted to say is, yeah, I didn't know about the silver survey. <laughs> if I if I hadn't known about the silver survey, I would have taken it and done it. I did. And, um. I didn't know that silver survey. But you're not meant to know about the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can complain that survey I only. I heard the name Red Dwarf in passing when they were doing this survey. Uh, so wh- where did it place? Uh, 45th. That's uh-huh. five spaces higher than Duck Soup from last week. Yeah. Uh, and it totally does. And how much higher than uh, Stoke Me a Clipper? Just fine. Took me. A... I still can't believe took me a couple of so low. I know. And uh, and uh, how it's... much lower than backwards? Took me except for actually with forty seconds. Okay, at least they got it higher than that. Yeah. 
I don't know. Um, so, well, he says another episode dragged down by Kachansky's writing and, uh, and Crichton's reactions. Okay, I agree with the Crichton's reactions, but to me, this is the first episode that was dragged down by Kachansky's writing. I thought they had been doing really well with her up until this point, and then they sort of... the, the epi- I mean, I feel like it was really rushed when they were writing, and it was just... Food joke, food joke, food joke. Uh, let's hurry up and get to the parts where we have uh, the river song. Um, eh, there was so little in the way of character development, and what there was was just sort of uncharacteristic, unfair sniping and ugh, and and underwear jokes. Oh, by the way, I, I'm sure it's it's clear from context, but yeah, um, U.S. underwear equals British pants. That's that's clear, right? Indeed. Okay. Good. Moving on, then. Uh, Nick Ridley uh, said that Blue was his contender as a favorite episode of the show, uh, along with Stoke, uh, but dislikes the implications that Lister sabotaged Kachansky's attempts to get home. Mm, yeah. Too selfish. And we say he didn't sabotage it. He was just showing off. Yeah. Oh, another inconsistency there. Lister has never ever ever been Dave he has always been Lister and he's like I'm Dave I mean so, so, he, no, so he is so uh, rare Holly would Dave. call him Dave who did? Holly okay Holly yeah because there was know, the whole you know Hell 9000 joke you know yeah. what happens to people who, who call him Dave they, they get obliterated so. <laughs> that's true uh, he, or Davey was, boy yeah but I mean, he's always Lister, Mister Lister, Sir, Listy, Bud. Um, but I'm sure when Lister Dave. was dating Kachansky, she called him Dave. She didn't call him Lister. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe that would make more sense. Okay, that might not be an inconsistency. Uh, Ian Victor Massey writes a novelette here. Surely <laughs> that's great. Love it, love Ian. <laughs> uh, let's let's see if we can summarize here. Uh, fun episodes, uh, relationship drama, some people hate that. I kind of like the way it's evolving. Kachansky brought interesting balance. Uh, nitpicking, yeah, the, the uh, continuity of uh, clothing, indeed. Um, yeah, what? I mean, how hard is it to break out a khaki outfit? Or maybe Chris Berry has just put on weight and he wants to always be in a puffy uh, jacket now. Mm. Yeah. What do we think? Possibility? Yeah, because holograms don't age. Neither do androids or vampires. No, or... no, holograms do age. Yeah, holograms do age. Oh, okay. We, we saw the future him. True, 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 mm. true. They can also have heart attacks if it suits the plot, and then it's never, ever mentioned again, ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we've mentioned this on the show before, but the entire idea of Rimmer to begin with was to keep this the same. Yeah. So if this is getting older and Rimmer isn't... Wouldn't, it wouldn't. It, it would make more sense if they aged together, right? So that's why he didn't yeah. age when he was in a cell for a couple of hundred years alone. Yeah. So Lister is the center of the universe, as far as ho- as Rimmer is concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Again, more fan fiction. Um, yes. Let's see. Uh, let's see. The red and green thing. Yeah, the costume people sort of. Uh, oh, they bollocked it. Let's just uh, say it that way. Uh, bothers me too. Um, he says that it's uh, it's not a favorite of his, um, but uh, not the best of plots. But it's enjoyable with some funny dialogue. Methinks, indeed, sir. I pray thee, 
I, I like meetings. It's a good. And then I think Nick, Sam, and Rosie have a long discussion about Kachansky. Rosie just put some horrible expletives there. I don't. I don't even think we can say that on air. I think it's. I know, and you know what? What's with all of the just random hatred toward birds? Like insert that just seems a, odd. Insert like, a what into where? <laughs> just kidding. It's cool. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then um, Ian says, adapting to change, not an easy task. Indeed. Um, something about evolutionary time frame and socioeconomic paradigms. And back to Red Dwarf. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Weston <laughs> flashbacks illustrate how much rumor brought to the show. Yep, that's true. Uh, the rest plods on, and the end piece was fantastic on first viewing, uh, but he thinks that it becomes grating upon repeat viewing. Uh, one of the better episodes of RDVII on the whole. Um, and Russ Glynis says, the episode takes us back to comedy, and it's fun. Wish there are a few more scenes in the Rimmer experience. I think they would have to expand it if they were going to turn it into a real ride, Universal Studio style. <laughs> Yes, they're going to make Red Dwarf World and put it right next to uh, Harry Potter World. Yeah, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. In fact, we'll take all of, of the British works and just put them all in Florida because this makes sense. <laughs> and put fake snow everywhere in Florida. Yes. Hey, that Thank fake you snow in Hogsmeade is cool. I want to go so bad. I haven't gotten to go yet. It's neat. Hmm. <laughs> So, thank you for the feedback, and now, uh, if you want to send us feedback... Oh, wait, we had some Twitter feedback, love. Do you want to uh, oh, dial that up? Oh, yes. Yes, Liz Richards um, says on Twitter, uh, also not uh, much of a sci-fi uh, really in this app, but some awesome-looking game slash pastimes. Um, and she says, uh, we've gotten so much Lister and Rimmer... In conflict, it's nice to get flashbacks of them being friends, not fighting. And I sort of respond to that, saying, maybe more than friends. She said, <laughs> I didn't want to be the one to say that. Uh, I do think that Kachansky's going to be at a disadvantage when they play put the body part through the sheet. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. If they're you want never to... going to guess. They're just going to keep watching. <laughs> If you want to leave feedback, maybe classier than that last comment of mine, uh, you can do so on our Facebook group. If you want to leave spoilery feedback or just rant about how awful Angela and I are for for hating the bad episodes and loving the good, uh, I'm sorry, hating the good episodes and loving the bad episodes, take that, that, reverse it, there you go. Um, (laughs) Then you can do so on the uh, spoilers group to which Angela and I have no access. So, you know, you can just smash us. It's fine. We don't care. Um, if you want to Twitter at us, you can tweet at twitter.com slash reddwarfintro with 140 characters of awesome. You can send us an email at the reddwarfpodcast at gmail.com, spell gmail. You can also pop onto iTunes and you can maybe leave us a nice review or a horrible review, but we would prefer it if you would leave it a nice review. It would help our feelings so much. Um, and maybe, you know, give us a, a, a nice four or five star rating. I don't know. It could happen. Um, also, as I mentioned last week, um, we're getting 
a lot of listeners and having some long episodes and we're running out of bandwidth. So if you're one of those that likes to maybe listen to something and then stop and listen to more later and then stop, or if you maybe even for some reason want to listen to things more than once, um, it would probably help us out if it's convenient. If you go ahead and download the episode instead of stream, and then you can do that from iTunes or directly from Podbean. But you know what? However you listen, we're just glad that you're listening. Thanks. And it is time for ratings. Nutty. Ratings. I'm I'm gonna have to give it a seven out of ten warm salad creams. Nice. Mm. I will uh I'll go next. Um I think it's alright. It's not the best, it's not the worst. I will give this seven and a half. Magic Flute Arias out of ten. Nice. Nice. I'll go next if you don't mind before anyone steals my rating system. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree with Paul. It's not the it's not the best episode ever, but it's not the worst episode ever. Um, I love the River Munchkin song at the very end, and if it wasn't for that, then I would probably be giving this a six or a seven. So, the Rimmer Munchkin song actually boosts it up by a point. So, I'm actually going to give it eight passionate kisses. Mary Chapin Carpenter would be proud. (laughs) (laughs) I, okay, I'm going to get flack for this, and I'm sorry. Let me preface by saying I loved the Rimmer song at the end. Uh, The Rimmer experience was hilarious. Uh, The dream with Rimmer, that was funny. And there were a few good laugh moments here and there. I was just so peeved, though, by so many things, both in continuity, making them friends when they were never friends, uh, changing the uniforms, changing all of history, completely ruining the progress you've made with Kachansky thus far. So, and I didn't laugh like I did last time. I mean, I had fewer laugh moments. So I have to give this a uh, 6.5. Um, flaming uh, lockers out of 10. Nice. You know, it bothered me. Maybe not for quite as many of the same reasons that you did. I mean, I I think that Rimmer and Lister were friends, but they were snipey friends. Well, know? they weren't having fun golf outings and leaving Cat behind. <laughs> True. Um, I I hated it the first viewing except for the three scenes that are the only scenes that anyone ever remembers from it um and i didn't think it was so bad upon second viewing but still i felt like the entire episode was an excuse to have these fun scenes you know it just didn't hold together narratively for me so um, I'm going to give it uh, six gassy comments out of ten. <laughs> Those and comments are very gassy. They are very gassy. Um, what was I going to ask about there? Oh, goodness, no it just flew out of my mind. I'm sorry. Oh, well. Oh, let's move on better? to... <laughs> let's, oh, actually, yeah, that is kind of my question. Uh, I don't think this is too spoilery to ask. Shane... Can you tell us whether the outside writer of this uh, writes any more episodes? 
very good question. I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you could maybe thumb that up sometime for me, I'm just very curious because I'm really hoping not. I I didn't feel like it had the same touch that some other episodes had. Anyway, quote time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but according to Wikipedia, no. Yay, Wikipedia! Yay. Nettie gets the first quote because she's awesome. All right. So the first quote I'm going to go with is uh, Lister. Look at him. With the right boots, he could be marching off into Poland. <laughs> Hitler reference number one. <laughs> oh. I only have one quote, so I'm going to say it now. Do it. Oh, River. Oh, Listy. Good that was well acted, Aww. Paul. Bravo, bravo. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Oh, very nice. And I'm done. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm still trying to find mine so someone can go ahead. I had it, but then I lost it. Uh-huh. Shane, do you want to go? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to find my own as well. Oh, I have it. one, but I would rather Angela read it. So, what is yeah. it? Mm. Oh, the rules to magic flute. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't gonna take that one, but I'll take that one. All right, I choose the magic flute. Set sort of like musical chairs. No, it's an opera. Magic flute. Okay, we hum a section of an aria, and the others have to guess which character is singing. It's a game. It's more like medieval torture. No, it's really good, because you can, like, throw each other off the scent. Once, Dave, my Dave, he sang the Birdcatcher song in the German translation, and it was hilarious. We all, like, totally fell about. <laughs> right, that was the only thing that I found annoying about Kachansky was when she did that, that one time, my Dave... It was like you, hoity-toity. You were just going to call her a My kid, day. weren't you? It's all about. <laughs> My day. I was going to attempt the Nuremberg speech, but I'm not going to bother. Aww. <laughs> Aww. That would take far too long. And, so. you know, someone would pick it up and your political career would be ruined. And... <laughs> On a recent podcast, local consummate. <laughs> local, local liberal Democrat decided to give a research of the Nuremberg speech. Let's have a listen. <laughs> so I'm going to do this one instead. And later, Syrian Sester Poles have him in the lead to be the next mayor. <laughs> no, that's next year. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> um,. According to the system, com, the thrust has never worked because we're carrying too much weight. Can I say I'm fat? It's Miss Kachanskis' laundry. Well, why won't anyone ever listen to me? Those little worthy things are heavier than they look. Hmm. Nice. Oh, so did he have I... any redeeming features? No. Oh. Yeah, sometimes he went out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. 
Right, that was my last one, I promise. Sorry, uh, Heath. I've got one. The phenomena of you not eating spicy food is like a zebra not being stripy or an old woman not sitting on a park bench with her legs open. <laughs> More Crichton misogyny. <laughs> that's not Crichton misogyny. That's that's fact. <laughs> More palm misogyny. That's not palm misogyny. <laughs> oh... Ethan's really sitting on a quote, and you have. Oh, you're not I don't doing really a quote. have any. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll do I didn't this one. Oh, sorry. I was reading the baked potato timer by mistake. Will people not leave that in here? Just makes us look like we don't know what the hell we're doing. I liked that one. <laughs> that I laughed over. That was that was the funny potato joke. Yes. The, the other four were so so. I don't know. I kind of like the all the lights are going off, and well, on this ship, it could mean that there's a real emergency or that the p- baked yeah. potatoes are done. Oh, either way, it's very serious. I, I like all that. I like the um, the other one. The the tin. The, the big uh, potato salad one. Yeah. The yeah. um the the really nice um delicatessen one. Oh, the, the sloppy stuff comes in a can. The can. Yeah. We may listen to her. This is serious. <laughs> so, I think that brings us to the end of the show. It does. It does. And I'm sorry, I didn't have any quotes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got one last one. Are we all stolen your quotes, Heath? No, it's not that. No, I the, the ones that I, and I had a funny Kachansky quote, but Angela's so much better at Kachansky than I am. And usually I can have a Crichton quote here or there, but um, sadly, not this episode. Fine. So maybe next time. Uh, I, I've got one last one. I never want to see or hear from that scum-sucking, lying weasel mine did smeghead in my entire life. Sigmund Freud, eat your heart out. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. I have one. I have one. Um, Let's see. Lateral tremors not responding. It's like wrestling and treacle. You hear that? Kat says the tremors are like wrestling and treacle. No, I said they were down. Then I asked if you like wrestling and... (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Oh, I have a question, actually. Um, There's one quote that's uh, uh, listed here. It says, I'm losing it, man. Otherwise, I'd never be thinking of stuff like that. Kissing Rimmer. I'd rather be bobbing for apples at the Reading Festival. What is the Reading Festival? And what? why is bobbing apples a, a reference here? Reading Festival is a three-day music... No, it's, yeah, it's a three-day music festival in the town of Reading. It's kind of like indie rock kind of stuff. It's... Nah, I don't know why it's... I don't know. Shane can elaborate more on but I'm sure. Perhaps uh, it's known for not drawing the most hygienic of crowds. Uh, the Reading Festival is actually paired with the Leeds Festival, where yeah, we know. where they well, he's an angel down those. Uh, where the headline acts uh, rotate. So the headline acts on a Friday may play the one on the Friday night and one on the Saturday night. But uh, festivals being festivals, and I know festivals mm. incredibly well, they are not exactly the most hygienic place to be. Yeah. Got it. And that bobbing for apples is disgusting. Yeah, even under the <laughs> like, best circumstances. Imagine doing that in a festival toilet. 
Like, you don't even think about it when you're a kid. You're just like, oh, it's bobbing for apples. They do it on TV. You're supposed to. No. No. People have put their mouth in there. (laughs) (laughs) And don't even get her started on double dipping. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I have um, the the one underwear joke that worked for me um, when Crichton is whinging on to Cat. And another thing she does, she keeps her pants in the sock drawer. Have you and I any idea how time-consuming that can be to sort out? You mean, you've seen her pants? <laughs> well, well, Kat's seen her pants. <laughs> he says he's seen her pants. In the washing machine, in Frank. All right, he yeah. Frank. Oh. <laughs> I named him Frank, he gives him a bit more of an identity. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> okay, and the one them fighting moment that worked for me was uh, and to Capitol, I'm faced with some neurotic droid who's completely obsessed with my pants drawer. You mean I'm not alone? <laughs> oh, I see. You mean me. Hey, you got a Crichton one. That is, there that's a go. perfect Crichton one. <laughs> that other droid. So I don't want everything? to know about alternate universe Crichton. Anyway, so enough of this episode. Shane, uh, tell us uh, what we are to be watching next week. You could be watching Beyond a Joke. <laughs> Beyond a Joke, was it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, um, okay. 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 I got it. I got it. No, no, no. Um, no. I, I, you've you've been right every single time. So let me put yeah, forth I a theory first. Yeah, Angela's not allowed to guess anymore. No, she can totally guess, <laughs> yeah. but it's just usually she makes like an awesome guess, and I can't just repeat what she says. Not that I would even frequently guess the same thing as her, but sometimes I'd have to guess something different because she guesses right. But, so beyond a joke, this time I am guessing then that uh, whereas Crichton and Kachansky's fighting has been a joke up until now, uh, in the next episode, Crichton is going to straight up murder her uh, (laughs) for the crime of being a female on the Red Dwarf, and Rosie will celebrate. Not even funny anymore. It becomes a horror story. From here on out. <laughs> wow. Silence. Strangle her with, with her bra straps. It's going to be awesome. Her Crichton head shaped bra straps. <gasps> so um, what's your guess, love? <laughs> well, besides the murder, it was a little similar. I thought that Crichton... And the the rest, uh, and he gets the rest of the crew in on it, is going to play a joke on Kachansky. And Kachansky is going to end up, you know, either, you know, hurt or, you know, that it's going to go too far. It's going to be beyond a joke. But it turns out by the end that she heard about it, she knew about it, and she was turning it on its head and playing the joke on them. I like that. I like that. A practical joke gone awry. And then, yeah, Kachansky, she goes like Ridley. And like, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Oh, by Ridley, that, uh, that's the Alien series, Ridley. I know Shane knows what I'm talking about, but um, yeah, she goes like Ridley and she's like, you know, commando with a bazookoid and whatnot. And they think that she's finally flipped or something and that everything's gone too far. And then, yeah, by the end that she was, was having having it on with them. I like that, love. I think you've... You know what? If it's not an episode, it should be. <laughs> Head cannon. Head cannon. She was having a wheeze. 
a Weasley Wizarding Wheeze? A Weasley Wizarding Wheeze. Well, we will find out whether it's going to be straight-up murder or a practical joke next week on the Red Dwarf Intro Cast. Nettie, thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for having me. It's always fun. And hopefully we will get back... I, I, I apologize if I've been whinging too much. That's such a cool little British word. We don't use that word here. We say whining. But whinging, yeah. it's cool. Little whinging. <laughs> little whinging. Um, Birthplace but, of Harry Potter. Yeah, I was no. just... I was so psyched from the last couple of Kachansky episodes, and this one, it hurt. I was... I was I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> Find out. Maybe they'll bounce back. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, find out next week uh, on the uh, Red Dwarf intro cast. Bye! Bye! Bye. Shall, shall I play us off? Smack you later! Wait a minute. Here comes the best bit. If you're in trouble, he will save the day. He's brave and he's fearless. Come what may. Without him, the mission would go astray. He's Arnold, Arnold, Arnold Rimmer. Without him, life would be much grimmer. He's handsome, trim, and no one's slimmer. He will never need a zimmer. He's Arnold, Arnold, Arnold Just say I if you were, like, miming along to that song. I... I, I started to sing, but then nobody else did, so I shut up. I was right. singing with, as, sorry, I was, I was mouthing the words in such conviction, like Anderson Hannigan was on the behind-the-scenes documentary of Once More Feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Are you already then? Hello? Oh, that was a gap to, to the yeah. you in. Okay. Ready. <laughs> cool. Going here. Oh, I need to. Yo, listen up. Here's the story about a little guy that lives in a blue world. And all day and all night, and everything he sees is just blue. Like him inside and outside. Blue his house with the blue. Okay, I'm just messing with you. We're not going to do that. (laughs) That was was fantastic. Uh, Including the little Mac that. noise of you oh. lowering the volume. <laughs> Throwback to 1998. Yes.